Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. Welcome everyone to the Make More, Keep More show. This is the show that's all about your money, making it, keeping it, improving your life, everything. I'm Ron Carruthers. I got my co-host on here, Dominic Cummins. On Instagram, he's at Real Biz Advisors. And then today, we have the one and only Mr. Howard Berg, who is, in fact, the world's fastest reader. And um, you guys might have seen him. He's been in commercials with uh, Peyton Manning and Justin Timberlake. And he's on CNN and Fox anytime there's some massive bill that comes through. He's the guy that goes through. Oh, there he is. We had him. And he's I'm going to have to hold it backwards. I can't see you. It's not switching. There you go, man. Um, we're just happy we got you. We had some technical difficulties this morning. Anyway, Howard, you're like a legend. First of all, Howard, I don't think you've ever met Dominic. So that's Dominic over there. And wait, did we lose him? No, I'm here. Oh, Howard might be for, for, uh, frozen <laughs> up a little bit. All right. Well, maybe we'll get him. In, we had him so briefly. We'll just talk about him for the rest of the hour. Oh, he's back. He's yes. back. Uh, I apologize. It's it's I'm having some technical challenges here, but we'll need to work. That's all right. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Howard, first of all, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna grill you for some tips on how to improve reading and improve comprehension. But the right. first question we gotta ask is, how did you end up reading so fast in the first place? Because I remember I've seen you on Fox or CNN or something blowing through at about 30 minutes, a 1,400-page bill that Congress just put out, and then being able to recall exactly what was on page 476, and, oh, yeah, on page 672, there's this. How do you even do that? Well, uh, when I, I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn, there were a lot of gangs. I found the safest place in my neighborhood was the library. Somehow gang kids would rather be dead than caught in the library. <laughs> so, so I did a lot of reading. I had college reading when I was uh, 11. And then I went to the State University of New York, Binghamton. I majored in biology. And in my senior year, I decided also major in psychology. So I had to do a four-year psych program in one year. And, fourth, and I took six science courses to finish the bio program at the same time. The dean didn't think I could do it, but I ended up finishing everything in one year, and I got an 800 on the GRE in biology, which was in the 99th percentile. So I got to 80 pages a minute. 80 pages a minute. Yeah. Holy freaking cow, man! Now, do you still read that fast, or are you? Is it like an athlete where maybe your skills slow down a little bit, or are you still at that sort of reading speed? Well, this. Four kinds of reading. In, in, uh, the first type of reading is elementary reading. That's just learning letters and sounds. This, the next type is inspectional. So you're finding out what's there, if it's useful, if you know it already, if it'll serve a purpose. And you could read a book at 80 pages a minute inspectionally very easily, even without a lot of, uh, a lot of experience. The next level is analytical, where you're really learning. So I did a graduate course in educational psychology, and it was a, a four-credit course. I took the AP test. So I read the 400-page book in seven hours, four times. I took the six-hour test in 50 minutes, and I got a B plus. So basically, I got four graduate credits in less than eight hours for $65, which really was my goal getting the credits. I didn't really care about the course. I was a teacher at the time. I needed the credits. So that's another level of reading. Then the last level of reading is syntopical. Well, you're reading seven or eight books and you're comparing and contrasting different opinions. And which one do you think is right and why? And what was wrong with the other opinion and why? That's more high level reading. So if I'm reading in a very unfamiliar subject I know absolutely nothing about, no background. I'm not going to read 80 pages a minute and say, learn calculus well enough to pass a test. 
that would probably take seven hours. But if I'm reading the subject that I have a background in, like psychology or biology, yeah, I can read it 80 pages and learn a lot. So it really depends on what you know already, what your aptitude, your experience with the subject, how much do you really need to know, what's your goal, are you trying to earn a degree, are you just trying to be familiar with something? So there's all kinds of reading. And uh, depending on my purpose and what my goal is, that really, and my prior experience, that really determines what I'm doing. But yeah, I can read 80 pages a minute and tell you what it's about, give you some of the main ideas and main points and give you a good summary. And most of the time, that's really enough. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Although I'm not going to lie, Dominic, I'm a little disappointed. He got the B plus. He didn't get an A. <laughs> right? I didn't need an A. Okay. Yeah, remember, remember, this is a big piece of it. You were good. No, you have to have a purpose. My purpose was for graduate credits. So I keep my license active. I needed a C minus. So all I needed was a C minus. I got a B plus. So right. for my for my purpose, it was good. Now, if I wanted an A, I probably would have studied another few hours, but I didn't need it. It would have been overkill. It wouldn't have made any difference for my purpose. Once I passed the course, I got the credits. I didn't care about right. the course. All right. Dominic, we'll let him slide on that. Yeah, All exactly. Right. So that's amazing. By the way, I remember years ago I asked you how long it would take you to read a Harry Potter book. I think you said like five minutes. How long would it take you to read a Harry Potter book? Five minutes. All right. Now, how many books are in the series, Dominic? I know you're a big Harry Potter fan. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I have no clue. <laughs> I haven't I read one. The whole series, I think there's like seven or eight of them. You could read the whole series in, in under an hour. Now, would you enjoy, like, if you were reading that fast, would you enjoy it? Or would it be like, no, man, I just powered through it. But if I was going to sit and enjoy it, it would be different. Depends on your purpose again. Okay. Am I am I on a TV show and they say read it in like ten minutes, or am I trying to enjoy it? You're not going to enjoy seven books in an hour and and get the emotion, but you can read them. I'll give you a good example. I, I was lecturing on cruise ships, and my wife wanted to go on this cruise to Hawaii, and they didn't want speed reading, which I didn't want to hear. I said, "What do they want?" They said they want someone to teach Photoshop, video, and photography. So I teach that. I didn't teach any of it, but I can learn very fast. So I read 10 books on Photoshop in three hours. I learned Photoshop. Then I read 10 books on video in three hours. It was the next day, and I learned video. The next day, I learned 10 books on photography in three hours. I learned photography. So I go to the cruise, and I'm like, please, let these people not know what a camera is. That would be my, my perfect audience. <laughs> you mean they don't use film? How do you take pictures without film? That was my perfect audience. Well, first guy walks in. I'm a professional photographer, 38 years. I want you to teach me how to take pictures. And I'm like, okay. The second guy comes in. I've been doing Photoshop for five years. I hear you're an expert. And my wife's sitting in the front row crying. And they said, if I didn't do it, they'd throw us off the boat. Not, not in the water, but when we got to the shore. <laughs> so but for a week, I'm training them on video and photography and photo. At the end of the week, they're like, how many years did you study to learn all that information? I couldn't say learn it in three hours last week. And that's the beauty. Imagine you read a book a day in an hour on a business skill that can help you be more successful. At the end of the year, you'd have 365 new skills. At the end of 10 years, you'd have 3,650 new skills. Can you see how that would ultimately result in making more money and being more successful? So for me, I really tend to read things that will help me be better at what I do. And that's really my main focus for reading. What can I learn today that will make me better at what I do than I was yesterday? And that doesn't mean everyone should do that, but I think if they did, they'd be more successful. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, how does, what's the first step in learning to read faster? I, I'd like to cover reading faster, remembering better, and then maybe a little bit on, I know you, you're, you're brilliant on writing essays, you know. And oh, we'll try you, memory too. Let's, let's do memory and writing. We can do all four. Great. Let's chat about it. So let's start with reading. Okay. Reading fast is easy. 
Find a book you've read and understand. You want to be uh, certain the only thing that could confuse you is your speed and not what's in the book. If you got a book on quantum physics and you don't understand it, well, that's because no one on earth totally understands it. So you don't want to try to learn faster in a book that totally makes no sense to you to begin with. So now you know the only thing that could slow you down is uh, is your speed and not and not the contents of the book. So read for a minute with a timer, normal, nothing special. See how far you get. Put a pencil mark when you finish. So now yeah. you know that's how far I read now in a minute. Now the magic. Go to the second chapter, take your hand, and go across one line at a time, eyes following your hand. And this is the key, as fast as you could comprehend. So as long as you know what you're reading, go quicker and quicker and quicker till you don't. That's when you know it got too fast. And then okay. slow down so it's the top speed that you could comprehend. And for five minutes, practice reading, using your hand, moving your eye as fast as you can understand. Not faster, not slower. Now go back to the first chapter. Time yourself for a minute using your hand. And you'll go 20 to 40% further than you did in the first minute. And that's what we do at HowardBerg.com. We teach people, particularly students, how to use the skill to read faster, to get better grades, and finish school without a lot of stress. I love that. Dominic, do you have any questions so far? No, it's interesting because I, I actually thought you were going to, because I hear stuff with like business books and things around. Uh, and it might have been one of these reading styles that you talked about earlier, but that people say like, well, I'll read the you know first part of each paragraph, kind of skim the rest of it. And then if it catches my eye, if it feels like it's new, I'll go back, read that part of it. Um, others will, you know, they, they kind of have this system for, in essence, not reading every word or reading down the middle of the page, for instance, letting it kind of just absorb what you can out of the middle of the page. I've used that with some effect for sure on business books, especially ones that I've heard aren't that great. Um, but uh, yours is actually reading every single word at the speed yeah. which you can, which I think is kind of an interesting, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't expect that to be one of your, your tips, to be honest. I thought it was going to be some I form can of... I tell you the system groups. very quickly. Sure. You read at peak speed with a purpose to find what you don't know and need to learn. Don't waste time learning what you know, because you don't have infinite time. If you spend it on what you already know, you won't learn what you need to know. And most people spend so much time finding what they need to know, they have no time to learn it. So you use the speed reading to find what's important and needs to be learned. Then you stop reading and you switch to study skills for learning and analyzing so you understand what you're reading. You can memorize a calculus book, know every equation and fail because you don't know how to solve any problems. You just know the equations, but not what right. they do and how they work. And so even if you know what you read, it doesn't mean you learned it. So you want to comprehend it. And then the third thing is remembering it so you can retain it and recall when you need to use it, which is another problem. People take tests. They don't remember the answers till they get home. And then they suddenly remember everything they forgot. <laughs> and right. That's a different problem. You didn't forget it. You just couldn't remember when you needed it. Another problem is emotional intelligence. You got nervous taking a test so you couldn't think clearly. That's an EQ problem. That's important. And also, the main thing is also having that purpose. What am I trying to do here? Sometimes students will study for hours, and they fail the test, and it's like, how did I fail? Then none of what they studied was on the test, and everything they skimmed over was the test. In school, the only thing that matters is grades. It's not learning. It's grades. If you know the answer to every question, you get an A. If you don't know the answer to the questions, you get an F. So ultimately, you need to be able to figure out what are the questions going to look like so I know what to study. And there's a way to do that. So what I'm doing is combining speed, comprehension, memory, emotional intelligence, and how to anticipate what to prioritize, what to make your purpose. So you're getting a very good result, even at high speed. Okay, so let me jump back in. So. The first thing is time yourself for a minute on a book that you already know, go to the next chapter, begin to use hand movements to basically force yourself to go faster. Do that for five minutes 
Then go back to the first chapter again, see how far you get in a minute. And do you keep, do you do that once or do you practice that every day? Like, well, what's this, is, this is just an, this, this, this like is actually this. No, I, I have a drill that they do every day that's more than this. This is the first step. And, okay. and the, the full, when you do the complete steps, you should be between 100 and 400% faster with good understanding. We did a double blind study where people used the Nelson Denny, which is a standardized test for speed and comprehension. And we had an A and a B test, and we split them into two groups of 50. 50 did A and B, 50 did B and A. So the second test didn't make them look smarter. Everyone okay. in the study doubled or quadrupled with very good comprehension. So we can honestly say to people, based on that study, most people will double or quadruple. My observation is most double, but that's in four or five hours. That's just, okay. uh, it's immediate, immediate before they practice and reinforce it and do those extra drills that I recommend for getting quicker. Okay, so let's go back for a second. So if someone wants to double their reading speed, they can do that in four or five hours of focused study. You can show them how to do that. I wouldn't do that. No. no. Like I said, it's only the first step. Okay. It's, you'd want to do all the steps. And we don't have time. It would it would take me about an hour and an hour yeah, and a no half problem. to do We want to move on and just hit the high point. Yeah. They can find yeah. you at howardberg.com. Yeah, this will just get them about 20 to 40% faster in just a few minutes. Okay. So then that's step one. You get 40% in a few minutes, 20 to 40%. You guys all heard how to do that. Um, and for those of you just joining us, this is Howard Berg on the Make More, Keep More show, which is our show. He is legit the world's fastest reader. Um, and he's kind of legend, you know? So... <laughs> Howard, you're like a national Thanks. treasure, man. Uh, Thank you. Okay, so now how about improving memory? I think oh, okay. that was the next one we were going to cover. Like, how um, do you actually, actually remember going to do, better? You wanted to do speed. I think I you were asking about comprehension. Okay, we could do that. We were going to do speed and memory and writing. So why don't we do memory next? That's fine. We do whatever um, you want, man. Listen. No, I'm, I'm good with that. Memory is important. Dominic and I were never on a commercial with Peyton Manning or Justin Timberlake. So you get to you get to you're more famous than we are. You get to you get to say what you want to do. Oh, we'll do memory. Memory's great. I'm going to give you ten things to remember, and our and our audience. You won't be able to. And then I'm going to okay. teach you a way to remember it instantly, backwards and forwards. By the way, this will be so simple. Three year olds can do this. It won't seem like it when I start. But when you go home later with your kids, you see it works. So you want to remember these 10 things. Pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, and bowling pins. And I'm pretty sure if I asked you and your audience to repeat the list backwards, you, you wouldn't be able to do it. Or forwards. <laughs> or forwards. Yeah, well, you can do both in dice. just three minutes from now. And three minutes backwards or forwards. It won't matter in any order, actually. So okay. one of the things we know about memory, this was discovered thousands of years ago by the ancient Greeks. If you take a list you know and you link it to the list you're learning, it takes less time. So I'm going to bet anyone listening right now can count to 10, which means those numbers are in your memory. And we can use them as a hanger to hang the 10 things we're trying to remember. And that's the shortcut. So let me show you how that works. The number one is a pole because it looks a lot like a flag pole or a lamp pole. So when I say one, you say pole. One. Pole. Yeah, and you need to say it. You only remember 10% of what you read, 90% of what you say and do. This isn't a drill. This is a tool you will use. So when I ask you or our audience to repeat it, please do Two is shoes. You wear two shoes. What's two? Shoes. Well, it was one. Pole. Good. Three is a tricycle. There's three wheels on a tricycle. What's three? Tricycle. tricycle. What's two? Shoes. shoes. What's one? Pole. Pole. Good. Getting smarter. Four is a car. There's four tires on a car. What's four? 
Car. Car. Go to two. Two. Shoes. One. Pole. Pole. Three. Tricycle. Tricycle. And you see your brain's learning it now. Five is a glove. There's five fingers in a glove. What's five? Glove. Glove. Good. What was three? Tricycle. What was one? Pole. Good. Six is a gun. They love them in Texas. Six guns, cowboys, six guns. <laughs> What's six? Gun. Gun. Four. Car. Car. Two. Shoes. Shoes, yep. Perfect. Lucky seven in dice. Lucky seven. Seven is dice. What's seven? Dice. dice. What was five? Giving you a clue? Glove. 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 Three. Tricycle. Tricycle. One. Pole. Good. Rhymes work. Say eight skate. Eight skate. Eight. Skate. Skate. Right. Six. What did they love in Texas? A gun. Four. A car. Car. Two. Shoes. See how easy it's getting? You only have two left. Nine is a cat. Cat has nine lives. Nine lives. Cat. What's nine? Cat. Lucky seven is dice. Five. Glove. Glove. Yeah. Three. Tricycle. Tricycle. One. Pull. Pull. Good. Last one. Ten. There are ten bowling pins in an in a lane. Ten bowling pins. What's ten? Bowling, bowling pins. pins. You just learned how to speed learn numbers. Let me show how it works. Imagine you're in a hotel. And your room is 314. How many times by the time you get to the lobby, you forgot the room number? Here's how to remember the numbers. You turn them into pictures and string them together in a movie. Three is a tricycle. One is a pole. Four is a car. Picture a tricycle hits a pole on a car. Picture that. A tricycle hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? Three. Three. It's a pole. One. One. On a car. Four. Four. That's your hotel. Try school pole car. Now in, in school, it's pi. 3.14 is the way you measure a circle, circumference, or area. It's pi. And no one remembers those constants. They're very hard to remember, whether it's in chemistry or physics or if it's in math, then it's history dates. So what you do is turn the numbers into pictures. The zero, by the way, is the 10 bowling pins. One through nine is pretty easy. You know what they are. The zero, because there's only zero through nine. Those are all the digits. There are no right. other digits. So you have now a picture for every one of the possible digits. When you see an important number, turn it into a series of digits that are pictures Make a movie connecting each picture. Did we just lose Howard? Did he touch the wrong button, Dominic? He might have. We'll see. We'll give it a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm back. Nope. You're good. I'm I'm on the other side of my phone, and it popped up the weather app. So <laughs> we're just happy. We're just happy after after trying to get you on. We're just happy you're here, Howard. Yes. Those of you just joining us, Howard Bird, world's fastest reader. You guys are going to have to go back. I'll post this as soon as we're done. He just gave us a list for remembering one through ten and how to turn it into pictures. So carry on, good sir. So another thing you asked me is writing. And okay, you're, 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 you're so right on it. By the way, when I, t- I taught a group of kids, 11 to 15, the system, they did a 30-chapter book in lifelong developmental psychology, a sophomore college course, in one week. And there were 18 of them. 15 passed the AP test for full credit. They were 11 to 15. Just doing this, what I'm teaching you, correctly. Now I'm going to teach you the writing strategy. This same group, what we did, we gave them 28-page MLA-cited reports on the book of Matthew. It was a homeschool program, so that that uh, Bible study. And these kids did 28-page MLA-cited reports. 
at the graduate school level when they're 11 to 15 in four hours. So let me show you the first step. Yeah, I, actually, I wrote my last book in five hours using this. Oh, so what I'm going to teach. Hold yeah, on. I know. One second. Dominic says people are looking at me strange at the gym as I say the words out loud. She, she says, but it's a cool trick. So there you go. You have fans, Howard. Have fans. Oh. Okay, back to I, the writing. You wrote okay. it in five hours. Tell me how we did yes. it. Yes. So I want to teach writer's block and, and, and what causes it. So basically the way we normally communicate is what we're doing now. We talk. And when we talk, we use words. But when we write, we're actually writing letters. And whether we're using a pen or we're using a keyboard, we're creating sounds into, we're transforming sounds into letters. So it's a different part of the brain that writes than speaks. And making the transition between using your mouth to using your hands isn't always easy. But once you get started, Keeping you going usually is easy. So the phone rings when you're writing and you keep going while you're talking or watching TV. So you struggle to start, but once you got going easy, it was easy to keep going. So half the problem is getting started quickly and overcoming that inertia. The second problem is a conflict between the two halves of your brain. Your left brain is primarily your spell checker or editor. It likes perfect grammar and likes to use good vocabulary words and agreement. It wants something that really, really rocks. The right brain just wants to tell the story and get done. So what happens, and see if you can relate to this, you write 10 or 15 sentences and you look at it and your left brain says, this is terrible, and you hit the link. <laughs> and you do that over and over. You write 10 more lines, it's not good, 10 more lines. Every time you finish, you look at what you wrote and it's terrible, you keep deleting. After an hour, you got nothing to show for your work. Here's a simple solution. Do not write and edit at the same time. The part of the brain that writes does not play well with the part of your brain that edits. So I have a whole system on how to do this, but basically what you're doing is you're creating a first draft from a very well-organized outline. And it's about a C minus D plus. And then you take your left brain and you use your editing skills to take it back up to an A. But by doing it in two steps, instead of in one step, you'll get done in a fraction of the time. I had a young lady in my school, Jamie. She was, she was stunning. She was actually a lingerie model for Sears catalog for young people. And she went to college, she graduated 17 from TCU with the highest LSAT in the school. She's currently clerking for a federal judge in Washington. Well, Jamie oh, wow. wrote us a letter and she said, on Friday night, I do every one of my papers and read all of my reading. And I spent Saturday and Sunday out partying. She said, but my family didn't care at an A-plus average. And no one's family is going to care if you have an A-plus average. She says, I'm a right. kid. And I want to have fun. <laughs> this is when I can do it. So I want to teach them how to learn fast enough so even though they're out having fun over the weekend, they got all their work done and they're running A's. No one's going to criticize a student running A's for having fun after they got their work done. Now, if you're running D minuses, that's a whole nother animal. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't problem. happen if you learn it. They don't teach learning in school. They tell you what to learn and why to learn and what'll happen when you don't learn, but don't tell you what you did wrong. Right now, did you know that uh, about 60% of all students who graduate take about six years to finish? They don't do it in four anymore. Correct. That requires them an extra 38000 a year on average. It could be more in some schools, less than others, but you're looking at around seventy to 120000 more because you got to pay room and board and food and all that other stuff. Whereas my students are finishing in two and a half, three years, and then they go on to do other things. Like Stephen graduated, Stephen Terry graduated 16, 4.0, economics degree, Masters in math at 19, 397 GPA. He's now a professor at Yale. 
Now, he was a genius. Uh, Justin Brumman, Justin was a C student at 11, not a genius. Normal kid. Taught him how to learn. He was an English professor at 22. Not at Yale. It was Tarrant Community College. <laughs> but still, who would have predicted a, an 11-year-old C student would be a professor at 22? And uh, we do this over and over and over and over again, thousands of students. That's what I love about what I do. They write me letters about how well it worked for them, and it makes me feel. My best one, he did four-year college in six months. So how, do, how do you do that? Well, Thomas Edison is an online program. It's Rutgers online program, and they let you test out of 90%. Now, most schools don't do that, but this one did. So he took five, five tests a week. And he did one online class a week. Now, he's a genius, but he finished his BA in six months because he wanted to be a missionary. Then he learned Chinese in three weeks. Again, he's a genius. And he sold his company when he was 40 for $38 million. So that's what this is about. It's not just about school and learning. It's about learning how to be a success in an information-rich world. So you have less stress and hassle in school with good grades, and then you go on to make a successful career where you can enjoy your life because you know what you're doing. Your, your only job security today is between your ears, what you know. If you know more and you that's understand true. it better, that's it. That is very true. All right, so they can find you on hardberg.com yes. and see your programs and stuff. And they have a risk-free thing. We don't charge them for 21 days. This, nice. They pay on day 21 after they've already started to see improvement. So at that point, they're going to know it's working. So there's nice. absolutely no risk. You try and you say, hey, look at that. It's doing just what he said it would do. I like this. Then you pay. So you don't pay till after Great. you got results. All right. We like that. Let's go back for a moment. How did you write that book in five hours? Well, first of all, I, you want to say, oh, actually, I could show you a really easy way to do that. Um, so what I did is I, I took my idea, what is it I want to write about, and then I made a PowerPoint program on what I want to write about. And I had all my slides lined up in the right order. And then you record your slides while you're speaking. On a, on and a you could use an audio program. Uh, I think Audacity is one. It's free. And then if you transcribe what you recorded, it's the first draft of your book. And then what you do is you clean up the first draft, and you got your second or third draft that it's ready to publish. It, it's it's very easy to do that. By the way, I know that's how. If any of you guys on here know Frank Kern, um, do you know who Frank is, Howard? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And Dominic, I know you know who Frank mm -hmm. is. I know that. Well, I'm, I'm friends with I'm friends with Dan Kennedy, and Frank and Dan are close also. So I yeah. I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank Kern, I know that's exactly the way he writes his books. It gets to PowerPoint together, records it, and then has somebody else edit it, and it works great. Yeah. All right. He's been easy to do. What should these guys know about math, Howard? I have so many people tell me I hate math. I don't like oh, that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to do that, but yeah, I could do that. Okay. I'll show you speed math. If you have a pad, if you have a pad, I want you to write 103 times 107. The 103 is on top, and the 107 is on the bottom. And then you All underline right. it. So you're basically, if you can't write it, picture it 103 times 107. Yeah, okay. so it's on top, top to bottom, not left to right. Okay. Now, how much bigger than 100 is 103? Three. Three. How much bigger than 100 is 107? Seven. Yeah. So what you're okay. going to do is next. It's very easy. I'm keeping next to the 103 on the right. Write the number three because that's how much bigger it is. And next okay. to the number, next to 107 on the right, write seven. Okay, got it. And then now just multiply the two differences. What's three times seven? 21. That's the last two numbers in the final answer. Now what you do is even easier. You're going to add diagonally. 
You had top to bottom on the other side, 103 plus 7. How much is 103 plus 7? One time. Good. How much is 107 plus 3? 107 plus 3? Yeah. Was it the same answer? Yes. Yeah. It's always, always the same answer. So whichever way it's easier to add, do it. It's the same answer. Write down okay. 110. So 103 times 107 is 11,021. 110, 21. How hard was that? Okay, so what you did is added the inter part, wrote it off to the right, and then diagonally added. Right. So this will right. work with numbers that are near 100, somewhere between 100 and 110. Try it with any numbers from 100 to 110. Here's one thing that's important. When you multiply those two numbers on the right, if they're small, like two times two or three times three, your answer will be a single digit. You need to put a zero in front of it because the zero is holding the place for the tens. You, you don't write four, you write zero four. You don't write nine, you write zero nine. That's the only thing you have to be careful with. One time, let's say it was 101, times 101, well, the last two numbers are one and one, so one times one is one, but it's zero one. If the last two numbers are two, two times two is four, zero four. That's the only thing to watch out for. You need to have two digits in that right side, and if there are, put a zero in front of the single digit, and it'll work. Okay, got it. Um, How hard was that? I think I'm going to have to listen to that one again, Dominic, but I think I've got it. Dominic. That's how hard math is. That's how hard math is. <laughs> I think he had me up until that one. All right. Howard, Dominic, what do you want to ask him? You got any questions for Howard? I, I do, actually. And and it, I know we were on numbers, and I'm, but I'm going to come back to reading for just a second. Um, Ron said he hears a lot of people that say they hate math. I hear a lot of people that say I hate reading where you know does that kind of eliminate them out of doing this or does or does doing this actually help them improve their desire to lead to re like i've always been a reader I've, I've read since i was a little kid i've always enjoyed reading it's what i do to relax but a lot of people aren't like that so picking up a book feels like torture what how do you how do you help people with that like how does how does this ability to do this make reading more enjoyable or does it it does and you're right that's exactly what it does. It makes it more enjoyable. But most people read, it's so slow compared to watching a movie. And it's so visual today with movies and televisions and computer monitors and their phones. Reading is so slow, it puts them to sleep. They're reading as fast as they talk. Most people read at the same speed that they speak. When they're reading, there's a voice in their head and they can hear one word at a time like they were listening to a conversation and it's boring as heck and that's why a lot of people hate to read it's too slow and it's boring i'm teaching them a more visual way to read like when you're in a car you read the road front back left and right and at the same time you watch your gauges you're watching your gps you're watching uh to see if anything's on the road you're listening to the radio you're talking to your friends you're on the phone and you're bored. What's the difference? <laughs> the difference is in the car, it's a movie. You're processing what's around you like a picture. But in a book, it's a conversation where you're listening with your eyes. So I'm teaching people to see more of a movie in a book than they normally would be seeing. And when they play their movies back, they get all the information that's in the pictures. And it takes much less time, and it's far more stimulating. And I do have a system that I teach in the program for pleasure reading. You know, when they're reading, like you said, Harry Potter, and not for school, for report, but yeah. to relax. You don't want to finish it in five minutes. You want to enjoy the book. So right. I'm teaching them how to make changes in their reading from pleasure to I just want to know a little bit. So I'm a med student, I have to know Gray's Anatomy. That's not the same work. They're all called reading, 
but reading a comic book or reading Harry Potter and learning Grey's Anatomy are not the same thing. And you need to make changes in what you're doing to accommodate the learning level you need and the time you have to learn it in. No, that makes a lot of sense. We even had someone, Ben Weber, jumped in and said, the car analogy really makes sense because movies put him to sleep, you know, and the greatest skill you can possess is reading faster without sacrificing comprehension. You know, my right. joke is, my joke about you, Howard, is like basically you teach people how to download stuff matrix style into their brain. Yes, know? yes, so that's true. Yes. I want to... I want to go back to Dominic because, you know, Dominic's my host here. Howard, you're going to be gone next week, and I'm still going to be stuck <laughs> with Dominic. So I got to make sure he feels loved and taken care of. Dominic, do you have any other questions for Howard? Well, another, when would you suggest at an age, because uh, I got a text from somebody asking, uh, what was what's the age that you suggest for, for programs like this? Do you, do you, you know, you suggest it be college age or would this be something you'd even look at? Uh, do you have a version of these programs that are for younger kids that are, you know, when you want to catch them during that developmental stage where they're, you know, learning about learning and learning about reading and, and let's face it, most of the public school systems no offense to the teachers out there, not that great. So right. what, um, uh, well, I guess that was probably pretty offensive to the teachers, but. Well, I think the howardberg.com is for intermediate school and up. Okay. Which is basically sixth grade and up. And there's a reason. Uh, when I took graduate courses on how to teach reading, the first three years of school are how to read. You're learning your letters and you're learning mm -hmm. to read. And then fourth grade is the first grade where you read to learn. So you're reading science, you're reading history, and that's when the kids who don't read well start falling behind because they can't do the reading. So by sixth grade, you've had two years practice reading. You've built the vocabulary. English is no longer a foreign language. If you don't know what any of the words mean, you can't read it, just like foreign languages. And for many, English is still a foreign language until you're fluent in it, as a reader. So it usually doesn't happen till they're in sixth grade. Now I've had kids in third grade and they were Canadian and they did very well. One of them was reading at five seconds a page, but she had eighth grade reading at third grade and she was very motivated and wanted to do it. So I can't say no one at that age can do it. That, that would not be true. I can but say ideally, the more, yeah, ideally they should be sixth grade and up. And even college, absolutely college, all the way through PhD, this will just grease the wheels on all the stuff you have to learn and learn it fast. So you can actually get out in four years or less, not six, and have all that extra expense. No, that makes it fun. I know we, Dominic, we've called Howard's programs tuition insurance before. Yes. And and because it is a it is a problem on the college planning business where parents budget for four years, not realizing the reality that, hey, if their kid struggles even a little bit, it's likely five and a half to six years. Right. Uh, Dee, what else did you want to ask him? Oh, I just want to say, Ron, you're being an optimist. There's a 70% dropout rate in two-year college yeah. and a 50% dropout rate in four-year college. The ones doing it in six are the ones who didn't drop out, but already half of them are gone. Yeah, no, that's that's sadly a true number. Um, I've got a question, Howard. What is the time commitment? If someone really wants to kind of master this, how much time are they looking at? How long is it going to take them? You know, on average, I, I know yeah. it's different for everyone to maybe double their we, reading speed or, or what, what do they need to, what do they need to know about that? We set it up. So every day there's like a short video. So they okay. don't have to spend a lot of time. And then we created a lot of uh, activities that they can practice what they learn. The more you practice, the better you get. So it's going to be Clearly. on your, on your end. How much time do I have to practice today? Do I have a lot of time? Do I really want to get better at what I just learned? or I'm okay with what I saw in the video. Obviously, if you do more practice, it's going to benefit you. It's like baseball or playing an instrument. You practice, you get better than someone who does it. But then there are people who don't have to practice a lot, and they get better anyway. So it depends on the person. 
But my goal is to make it as easy as possible and take as less least amount of time as possible so people can get the most benefit in the least amount of time. Otherwise, you're just making a new problem. If the program is harder than what they're trying to read to begin with, then right. it's just a new problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, you've got a fan in Ben. He said he's been working on your stuff since he was 17. He's now 28. His skills are drastically different, but I'm still desiring to grow and become more proficient. The stuff takes time, but totally worth it. So again, that was that was a great answer, a very politically correct answer. But if someone asked you, Howard, like, okay, what's the minimum amount of time I should spend on this, you know, to really see a difference, how would you answer that? I would say 20 to 30 minutes a day would be more than adequate. Great. There you guys go. Yeah. Um, what about, let me, let me come back. Dom, did you have any questions? If not, I got another one. No, go ahead. So what about a term paper? Like, do you have any tips for kids in school? Because writing a book, like a novel, we're not necessarily on a really tight deadline um, would be different than say writing a term paper for college. Do you have any suggestions right. for that? Or yeah, actually, that? let's talk about comprehension because I think that's what you're asking me. Fair enough. Yeah, is that is that what you're asking? How do I comprehend? Not just well, speed up? How do, you, how do you comprehend, but also if you're writing a term paper, are you going to write a term paper for college differently than you would say write a uh, a business book. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, this is the sad truth, but if you're writing a book for public consumption, it has to be on the third grade level or below. Right. Right. If it goes above third or fourth grade, it's too hard for people to read. Uh, this is not something everyone's aware of, but as a professional writer, I can tell you a publisher will not accept a manuscript that's above third or fourth grade for mass consumption. Now, that's, that's not crazy. a college book, but general, let's put it this way, New York Times is sixth grade, okay? And most people find that a difficult paper. It's a little harder <laughs> to read, okay? Because it's sixth grade. Most of what you're reading in your mass-produced copy is third or fourth grade. That's just basically where most people's reading skills are. Uh, that's a fact. It's not a good fact, but it is a right. fact. Right, it is. It okay. is reality. So if I'm writing for a business audience, I'm probably going to shoot for a higher level reading level that's not for mass consumption. Or if I'm writing for a college audience, I'm going to use a higher level of vocabulary that I wouldn't normally use because if I used it, no one would publish it. No magazine, no publisher right. would do it because it wouldn't make any money. No one would want to read it. But yeah, um, totally makes sense. Yeah, but here's the comprehension. I think comprehension is more important than speed. In fact, I don't think anyone really wants to learn speed reading. They want to learn speed learning. They want to get their work exactly. done. Exactly. Yep. They want to understand it. They want to remember it when they need to use it. They want to be able to apply it in a real life situation. That's not just reading. That's learning. So here's a trick for comprehension. One of the key elements in comprehension is called schema. A schema is how the brain interprets text. So I'll read a passage to you that has no schema and watch how vague it is, even though the words are simple. And then I'll put a title on it and instantly it'll make sense and the title has schema. So this is the schemaless text. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake and may cost you quite a bit of money. Now, most people would say, I don't know what you're talking about, I but none we of the talking, words were hard. None of the words were hard. I thought we were talking about Dominic's love life. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the second time I read it, I'm going to put a one-word title on and watch out. Instantly, it makes total sense. Okay? Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. You know it's about laundry, so the words have meaning. And by the way, this is related to the writing question. 
So when you're writing, you want to use specific verbs and nouns. So if it said doing laundry is, is, is easy, putting your clothes in a washing machine. If it had words like laundry or washing machine, it would have made sense. Instead, we had vague, nonspecific verbs and nouns. This is an easy thing. What easy? What thing? Doing laundry is simple. Uh, this is you can always go someplace else if it's necessary. You could go to the laundromat if necessary. So when you're writing, you want to pill, you don't want to use words that no one understands. You want to fill in the blanks with words that make sense to the audience who's reading it. Here's one more tip, particularly for college students. In a lot of your college classes, there's very, very high level vocabulary. A word like Agilius Phoenicius is in biology books. Most people would not know an Agilius Phoenicius from a Turgus Migatorius or yep. a Quercus Quercus. <laughs> I mean, real, realistically, that isn't what we speak about. So here's how you handle those words when you're writing a report. You would say an Agilius Phoenicius, comma, a red-winged blackbird, comma. What I just did is I defined it. So mm -hmm. when I'm using a, a word that my reader may not know, I put the meaning of the word after a comma and then another comma. There's actually a, a term for this. It's called an appositive. You have the subject twice. You're using the technical word, then a comma, and then you're telling them what it actually means. A quercus, quercus, comma, a quaking aspen, comma. And so for many people, they don't understand the word, but they know the definition. On the other hand, you're writing for a professor, and if you don't use the technical term, they'll actually hold it against you because it tells them you're not really learning the material that they gave you. They want those words in that class to be used just like they were taught. I had a okay. verb. Yeah. It, like in vertebrate zoology, we had about 800 or 900 of those words, and spelling counted. And by the word, the first word is capitalized, and the second is lowercase. And if you didn't capitalize the first one, it's misspelled. So there's a lot you have to do in college you're not used to doing before you get there. And this is some of the things you can do to make sure your writing resonates better with a higher level uh, person grading your reports than they were used to in high school or junior high. Well, that's super helpful. Um, Dominic, if you don't have any questions, I guess, as we approach the top of the hour, Howard, what's the one tip you would give someone to improve all of this? Like comprehension, like you said, speed learning. I actually the know the answer. I go. know the Come answer. The single most important thing you can do other than get the program at howardberg.com is ask go. better questions. Ask better questions. The questions you ask are what your brain looks to answer. If you ask, why am I a loser? Your brain will tell you why you're a loser. Will this help you? Probably not. If you said, how can I be more successful? What will your brain tell you? How to be more successful. Now, this actually is very relevant to students. Have you ever read a book that says, this is stupid? Why do I need to learn this? I hate this. I mm -hmm. want to be doing something else. And your brain's hearing, don't learn this. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. And what do you think happens when you're done studying? It deletes it because you told it you don't want to know it. It's not something you're interested in. If you ask your brain instead, how can I learn this faster and better? How can I apply what I'm learning to something relevant in my life? How does this tie in with other things I'm learning in this course? And why is it significant? Instead of why is it stupid, why does it matter? If you change your questions to questions that lead to a positive learning state, you'll get better results than this is stupid. I don't want to learn it because that's exactly what's going to happen. You aren't going to learn it, but you're going to spend a lot of time not learning it. And mm -hmm. why would you spend all that time not learning when you could be learning just by changing the questions you're asking?
And you notice, Dominic, it was the question that I asked him that got him to give that answer. It will look at you. Well, look at you. No, it's interesting you say that uh, because it's it to me, it, it kind of speaks to like cognitive bias. Like if you set the bias ahead of time that you're not going to like it, you're probably going to find everything about it that you're not going to like okay. versus setting it ahead of time that you're going to gain something positive out of it. And it and it kind of comes full circle to what you said at the beginning when Ron was asking you some of those questions about, you know, Harry Potter versus a, you know, a, I don't know, a bill from Congress or whatever that you're reading. It depended a little on the purpose and how you were going to approach the reading. And it's almost like the questions help define that purpose. So if you ask the right questions, yeah. you define yes. that purpose, you define how you're going to read exactly. it. You got it. Exactly. Sure. The, que the questions are setting your brain up for success or failure. You're asking your brain meaningful questions that can be answered by what you're reading. What you're reading becomes relevant because it's answering a question. Mm -hmm. And it's something you actually ask them want to know about. That's how you learn. If you're not doing that when you're reading, you're just looking at words on a page. You have no reason to know no reason to remember no reason to apply it you don't see what it does you don't see why you need to know it so what is your brain going to do with that information it's going to start forgetting it very quickly because it doesn't have any reason or not want to want to remember it there's no purpose well and I, and I think it would come back to the question i asked earlier how do you help people that don't like to read i mean if you continue to tell yourself i hate reading every time you go to read you're going to hate reading so i think going back to that is, okay, I have to sit down. Reading may not be my favorite thing, but what am I benefiting here? What can I learn from this? What can, you know, ask you, start asking yourself some questions of, of whatever it might be, then, then go to, you know, howardberg.com, get one of the courses and then start to learn how to process it. And it sounds like chances are over time, you're going to actually start to enjoy reading and it's, it's going to change your entire mindset around it. Exactly. It's about, if, if 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 someone tells you you don't like to said you like to make money, <laughs> would you like a prettier life partner or an uglier? Do you want to live in a hovel? <laughs> would you prefer a nice, beautiful home or a shack? I said, do you know how you get a more attractive partner and a nicer home and be able to take nice trips? You make more money. <clears throat> how do you make more money? You do something people pay more money for. How do you do that? You learn a skill, a system that's valuable to other people. And when they pay you to do it, you make a lot of money. That's it. How do you learn it? You read. <clears throat> Suddenly reading doesn't seem so boring anymore. Yep. Right. Solid. Howard, you've been an amazing guest. Yes. I'm so glad we worked the technology out and got you on. It was well worth so, the wait. I, I tried. I I I I know how to reverse my my camera, but there was no button on the screen to for See, me to do it. Dominic, even Howard learned something new today. I know. So, right, I love it. Well, listen, Howard, we're gonna have you back soon. Now that we got all this I love that. out, if you'll come back. Yep. Um, yes. You guys go check out Howard's stuff. Howardberg.com. Legit, world's fastest reader, which really is the title. But like he said, it's about speed learning to improve all areas of your life. And whether you're a college student, a working adult, an adult who needs to go back and get an MBA or a graduate degree or a PhD or something, Howard can show you how to do that. I won't quite say matrix style, but if there's, if there's one hack to improving in life, this is absolutely it. And dude, Ben, you got a straight up fan. I mean, we have fans, Howard, but you got a fan in Ben. He appreciates you. So, um, Ben, we were glad to have you on. We saw the usuals on here. And then don't forget, you can catch all of Dominic and Meisbach's previous shows at makemorekeepmoreshow.com. And if you missed any of this show, it will be posted on my Instagram page. And then by early next week, Howard will get you the cut of it um, because it'll be on Apple and Spotify and things like that. Oh, thank so, you very um, much. Be was sure my face go. okay? I couldn't see how I look. I can only see the lenses Howard, on the back of my phone. <laughs> Howard, you are very handsome. Yes. You you're carrying right. yourself well. And uh, whatever part of the, I think you're down in Florida now. So, uh, Howard, don't get too wasted on Cinco de Mayo tonight, all right? I know you're going to be in some cantina wearing a sombrero 
with a drinking tequila, water, drinking water. Shooter on, yeah, drinking yeah, yeah. And tequila, and, water, wink, wink. And, yeah, uh, that's yeah. I'll be having a glass of ice water. I'll go crazy maybe today. Up, maybe calling up Justin Timberlake to do a club. Him and Peyton Manning are hitting up. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, man, we appreciate having you on the show. Everybody else, we'll see you guys next week. And again, hit him up at howardberg.com. So, um, oh, you got another fan. You are truly incredible from Live Life Invest. Dude, you got groupies, man. Dominic, we need to get us some some more groupies. I know. We got to yeah. figure out how to get on a commercial with Peyton Manning. So that's a, that's a, we got we to gotta effort that. That was fun. That re- I'd like to think it was the high point in his career in Justin's, but <laughs> some, somehow somehow I don't think they saw that day as quite as significant as I <laughs> I met uh, Howard Berg. I heard Peyton. <laughs> I actually met him. I met him and Justin, will he give me his autograph? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, like Kanye, like, no photos, man. Yeah. All right, you guys. Have a good weekend, everyone. And take care, Howard. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Howard. Nice to meet you guys. Me. All right. Thank, thank you. Care.